Welcome to the NCO Journal Podcast, where we explore NCO professional development. This is a podcast series where we discuss published articles with authors and provide a forum for the open exchange of ideas, information, and solutions. I'm your host, Chago Zapata, Managing Editor of the NCO Journal at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Today we discuss serving with ADHD, an article by our own Staff Sergeant Jared Woods. With us is Sergeant First Class Osvaldo Equite, NCOIC of the NCO Journal, and Staff Sergeant Brandon Cox, Senior Editor and a new member of the NCO Journal team. Thank you all for being here. Let's jump right in. Staff Sergeant Woods, what inspired you to write this article about ADHD, living with ADHD? Uh, there was an article written a few months back, um, back in July, I think, by a uh, sergeant major who it was about leading soldiers with ADHD. And reading that article, uh, as well written as we all know that it was, um, I kind of felt that maybe we could touch on it from a, from the from a different perspective from someone that serves with ADHD. So, now, how long have you known that you have ADHD? Um, I never realized I had it. I was diagnosed, so. I mean, there's little things I can look back in my past that maybe, like, allude to it. But um, um, I was formally diagnosed by a um, behavioral health specialist at Fort Bliss in 2013. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just curious as to how you found out or how what was it that, that took you to that, that specialist and, and how did that come about? Is it something that uh, it, you don't seem very comfortable talking about? You can at least kind of touch on it. And I, I, would, I would be interested. So what, back in 2010 and 11, I was deployed to Afghanistan. Um, we had an incident where we had lost two of our soldiers. And afterwards, we were told that, you know, we're here to talk if you need anything. They, we've also blocked off time with the people over at the, the psychiatric or the behavioral health offices if you guys would like to, like, talk to anybody. Well, I was having, you know, I thought I, I was my third tour. Figured I was doing fine, but I thought, you know, here's the opportunity. I'll go and just talk and see if there's anything, you know. Might, maybe they might help because, you know. So I went to talk with them. The doctor there prescribed me an ADHD medication, and it actually it really helps. Um, I noticed some improvement in some of my uh, impulsivity, or maybe just some of my, um, I guess it was just some of those classic symptoms that may be attributed to uh, ADHD, and that helped. Um, I was not uh, formally or clinically diagnosed at that time. He just prescribed me a medication to help with, I guess, what he saw me exhibiting when I was talking to him about the incident that happened. Um, and so when I got back to Fort Bragg, I noticed that the medication was working for me, so I thought I was gonna, I wanted to go and get a prescription for the medication to continue taking it because it was helping. Um, but I was told I had to do all these things and um, all these appointments and a bunch of other things because I wasn't formally diagnosed with anything that I would have to be diagnosed through them. And I kind of just left because I was... In so many words, it made it. They made me feel like I was like seeking drugs. I told them what I was there to try to get a prescription for, and they kind of made me feel as if I was there trying to get drugs, basically, or trying to get over on them. So I kind of just said, "Okay, I'll just deal with it on my own, uh, with whatever issues I'm having." And it wasn't until like three or four years later, when I got, I mean, about two years later, when I got to Bliss, that I things are coming up again. I'm having issues concentrating, impulsivity issues. And so I, I went ahead and talked to a behavioral health specialist, and she flat out asked me, I said, have you ever been diagnosed with ADHD? I'm like, no. And she's like, well, it's very clear that you do have it. Um, she did a few of the tests just to confirm, um, just from talking to me and, and some other stuff, and and that's when I was formally diagnosed. So. 
Okay, let, let's let's kind of dive into some of the things that you talk about here. Let's uh, specifically, well, with the first thing that you that you delve into, which is arguments anticipated. You say ADHD. Some people say that ADHD is not a real men, uh, mental or medical disorder. Uh, why did you? Th- th- there's several others, but why did you list these? What 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 made you want to list these specifically? People may say it like flippantly, you know, like ADHD is a real medication or, I mean, I've heard that before. If you look up, you know, anything about ADHD, you might come across an article that says misconceptions or, you know, something that someone might say. That's one of the first ones that comes up, you know. Um, I'm sure most people could relate to someone who's a little fidgety or maybe gets easily distracted. Um, ADHD is a little more than that, but sometimes you'll hear someone say, oh, that's ADHD or um, so sometimes you, that gets, it gets thrown away. It's not really a, uh, I don't want to say there's not a whole lot of support groups for ADHD as there might be for other, uh, I guess you could say disorders, but, um, so that was one of them. It, it is, as I mentioned in the article and backed up by research that it is a, a, a legitimate and, and I guess I, without sounding like, I want to say brash or arrogant or anything i mean it's you i've heard it before you know so i'll play it off you know oh you got that you, you got medication no you have asd or just just little things that you hear the word it's not taken as seriously as other you know illnesses may be that's all and it's not it's not so much an illness as it is as, as it is a disorder um argument about people that can't focus that's not true it just depends on uh, maybe prioritization or just uh like people with ADHD can, can concentrate on various things a lot of time. I mentioned the article about hyperfocus. Like if you're interested in a topic or you're interested in a task you're doing at the time, sometimes I will completely block everything out, and I'm only working on that one thing. Someone could walk right by me, flick my ear probably, and I might not even notice. It doesn't happen all the time, but occasionally I'll get into those zones of hyperfocus. Or I guess what I mentioned in the article, there's a thing about flow. Uh, as I mentioned before, I guess, about trying to obtain medication to treat ADHD, I mentioned sometimes someone might say that, you know, they're only using ADHD medication as an excuse to get a hold of those often uh, stimulant medications, or if they're on that, then what else are they on? Like, that could lead to other substance abuse issues. Um, that can be prevalent with people with ADHD, but generally people who are treated with ADHD medications one not treated only with the medication, but are also also being also being treated just with talking with you know going to behavioral health like appointments and talking with doctors. It's not just here's a medication deal with it. It's a host of things that they use to you know deal with whatever they're dealing with. What about self awareness too? Is that is that something? If you're aware that you hey this is this is something that you're dealing with, does that make you more able to deal with some of these things because you're able to to kind of be aware that, okay, I have a, I have a thing with this, these kind of things, concentration or uh, distractions or whatever the case may be. Uh, being aware that you have those issues, does that make you, so in other words, what, what I'm saying is I say if some, one of our audience has some of these symptoms or some of these things that uh, issues and they're, they're not aware of them, uh, you being aware of them, does that make you more able to handle them? I don't know if it makes me better being able to handle them. Being aware of something, I, I feel, it doesn't necessarily make you able to handle it better, but it does, like you mentioned, make you more self-aware. If you're aware of it, then you can seek out the treatment or seek out the the methods in order to address that effectively. I mean, you have to be self-aware of what's going on. Like, 
I could be aware that all these other things are going on that, that can be distracting or considered something that might distract me. But like that could, that could be the case with just about anyone in the Army. I mean, we have all sorts of things that we have to do. Medical readiness, online training, range, ruck marches, PT, maybe college or online classes, all these competing things that are happening all in the midst of you being in the military, leaving out even just family things that happen. As long as you're aware of all these things, then you can kind of deal with them. I feel I feel like I'm exhibiting ADHD in real time, and it's each individual is going to have to deal with whatever they're dealing with. Everyone's different, and so and all the cases are the same. And uh, the reason I brought it up is because uh, just just today, before we started the, this podcast, you know, we we, we joke around. Uh, this is this is a, a pretty comfortable environment with you know people who are comfortable with each other as, as professionals and. Uh, we were able to joke, and and I know that that's one of the things that you said is that uh, I, I'm gonna before you, we started talking that you said you were gonna tone something back. You you do have sometimes do get impatient, and sometimes and but you know it's that's the thing is about uh, those of you who are or those of us who are who are in a position where we're we have uh, subordinates who, who have. Um, certain issues and we're aware of them, we have, we can be more open-minded when you're telling me something and you, and then we start talking about it. You, you make that shift. And that leads back to that self-awareness question that I asked you is that you do, you do have, you do make a conscious effort to kind of move away or, 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 or shift in a direction where, you, where you're, you're, you're able to handle things, um, uh, Maybe because it's a hyper focus, I don't know. But you you can make that shift to where something might make you very impatient, or, or 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 whatever the case may be, and then you're able to kind of kind of take a step back, like I said, take that self awareness, and then move in a, a new direction with a new focus, and and and, be, and you're able to function like like always, you know. I guess what we want to get, try to get across or establish is why. We talked earlier about what inspired me to write the article, but it's not so much of an inspiration as it is a, you know, we read one article from the leadership perspective. I don't remember all the details of the article, but I do remember coming away with a feeling of, I felt like maybe he could have addressed this or that. Just reading it as a person with ADHD, I just saw things, maybe just a few things lacking, and it wasn't anything, this isn't to say anything negative about the author in any way. It's just, well, then I thought, well, maybe I could write something from the other perspective, and I didn't really touch on too many real aspects, like specifically about things I've dealt with in the military in regard to ADHD. And that could be maybe a host of, uh, that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. Behavioral health issues aren't exactly known as, we we don't talk about them that much in the military. I know that. I'm not just going to run out and say, oh, I'm sorry, I was late for formation, Sergeant. I got ADHD. That's, (laughs) that'd be ridiculous. And I, I don't ever use it as a crutch. And for the most part, anyone that I've served with in my units, in fact, I'll, I'll, I can say it now that um, being in this unit and doing this podcast um, is the first time I've mentioned to anyone in my unit that I had ADHD or even known that I'm on medication or that I even take or even been to anything for behavioral health. So That's what that's what I'm interested in knowing. And um, since this was the first unit where you actually brought that up with your leadership and other people in your team, how has that changed the way you are or the way you're, you're – you're here at this unit compared to other units that you've been in. I think that maybe speaks to maybe the, the level of camaraderie or just comfortableness I may feel in this unit. Um, knowing that if an environment that if I have an issue or yeah, some kind of problem, that if I bring it to my bring it up in my team, they have my back. They're gonna help me out. So 
and and in that turn, you know, that makes me go, well, I know they may see me exhibit certain things, or I kind of see in the back of my mind, oh, I need to shut up, or I need to be patient, or not talk right now. I have this, and in case you were wondering, this is maybe why the way I act certain times, or if I have certain mannerisms, or just something that was, well, why do you do that, or why does he say something like that, or why does it seem like he always can't quite wait to, to for his turn to talk? That's one of the that's one of the big ones. Um, impulsivity and impatience. I know, like at Fort Bragg, I may be rambling. I don't know. Um, I know at Fort Bragg, I would have issues in formation. You know, you're in formation anyway, twice a day, sometimes more. You're in that formation at the end of the day, and you're just kind of like, you're waiting for the commander to come out of the building so you can do the final notes of the day. So everyone's at parade rest or rest, and you're just kind of like, and you start talking to the buddy next to you in formation. You start talking stuff. What are you doing this weekend? What are you doing that? You're not being as militarily, uh, your military bank isn't it maybe as it should. So you realize that you're doing these things, but you can't seem to like stop. And so you might get in trouble for saying something in formation when you shouldn't, or it takes you a while to get something done maybe. And to a leader that isn't aware of that or doesn't know that, hey, this soldier may have this other issue that, you know, he's not aware of. It just looks as though this soldier's kind of ate up. In my other units, I, I've never really been in trouble no letter of reprimands, no Oracle 15, so nothing of that sort. Um, I can tell you based on research in the article as well that, like, ADHD isn't one of those issues in the military where, you know, people come in, they're being diagnosed, and they're just getting booted left and right. For the majority of those who have it, it's effectively treated. So I would say something for the most part, it's a non-issue. It's just something for leaders maybe to be more aware of. Yeah, and it takes a leader to be aware of that and then be able to, to, to do some of the things that, you know, put some practical applications of what you, some of the things that you mentioned here, right? Like how to help somebody get focused or how to help somebody that may have that, that impulsivity. So I, I really like that about the article that you kind of break down some of the, the myths and some of the things that, you know, you bring it up as a point of serving with ADHD, but it also helps somebody that may be leading a soldier with ADHD because it helps them see, okay, this is an area where I can help or this is an area where I have to be more patient or understanding um, and realize that, that it's not a bearing thing, but it may just be something that is that is is more difficult to, to control. Well, at least I'll, I think it all leads to being you know, what, what makes a good leader. And, and I think one of the top things is, knowing your troops, knowing your soldiers, which leads to the next question for me is how do you use what you learned about yourself to be a better leader, to be a better NCO? Have, is, have, have you got lessons from this, um, uh, from, from, I guess, from this diagnosis, from, from this? Uh, Ever since I found out I had ADHD. <laughs> I don't know. Have, um, you, have you learned some lessons as far as you know, being a better leader? We keep getting these articles about self-awareness, emotional intelligence, all this stuff, and it all ties into, you know, being a well-rounded leader. Obviously, knowing more about yourself inevitably will lead to better leadership. If you know more about your leadership style or just how you take things or knowing that I, I have this disorder, um, and I feel like I handle it fairly well, just depending on the situation, I guess. It allows me to be a little more patient, say, if I'm dealing with a soldier who may have an issue or... I may have a different insight or just maybe more insight into this particular avenue. I've served with a number of people whom they'll, I'll see them, you know, they'll, they'll mention, oh, I'm just taking, you know, I'm, they'll, they'll mention they have ADHD or something. I I don't want to say it's some sort of camaraderie thing, but uh, you'll just see it and you'll know, you'll see certain things where you're like, oh, that's why they, okay, that makes sense. 
because I've had a leader that, that, that had ADHD, one of the best leaders I ever had, but he, he, he had ADHD as well. And I saw the way his leadership style was like, I can see that, I could see that he had ADHD and he was using, he was aware of it and kind of, I don't want to say use it to his advantage, but he was more aware and, and that was actually even before my formal diagnosis, but I could see that he was, I think almost in a way I'm trying to say that maybe he knew I had ADHD and he, uh, we never really talked about it, but I think he kind of knew or like he probably saw a little bit of me and him and tailored his leadership style. So all because he was aware of what he was going through and probably saw what, what I was dealing with. And it wasn't really talked about overtly, but I could kind of see what, where he was getting at. If I get a soldier that has ADHD or has any types of frustration issues, um, has trouble concentrating, whatever, but they, if I ask them to do something and they put out good work and it's, you know, quality, then I wouldn't mind. But having said that, the most paramount things in the, in the United States Army are what? Standards and discipline, right? So if you have somebody that does get over frustrated or is acting out or, you know, has a small tantrum or, or, or can't remember the last thing you just said because they were too focused on this other thing, it all looks like a lack of discipline, right? Oh, yeah. And I think that is the Army's number one problem with having a soldier with these extra things because at the end of the day, what what has to happen? The squad leader or, or, or team leader has to put more time invested into that soldier to explain things, to show things, whatever the case may be, to deal with their their issues, right? That Even that alone shows favoritism because if you insert that soldier into a squad with other able-bodied soldiers that don't have these extra things, why does why does Sergeant Woods get to go to behavioral health? Why why does he get time off work? Why do I have to cover down? Like these are all things that are, I mean, a lot of soldiers think about all the time, and that's why I think it's hard to bring up these kind of questions. But what do you, what do you think about? Sometimes I have a, an aversion to the the what about isms. Like right. if someone says something, you're like, well, what about this? What about that? But I'm thinking in terms of you could say that whole you could say that about just about anything that a soldier may have. Let's say you're getting ready to deploy and you have a soldier who he's not the biggest fan of like floss or taking care of his mouth. So now he goes to get his dental checkup. He's now a cat three and he can't get appointments in time for your two, for your deployment. So now you're one man down because he didn't take care of his mouth mm-hmm. or the whole, it could be, I'm not open, hoping to open a can of worms, but you could say a soldier, a female soldier who, who gets pregnant and now you have to, she has to go, she goes into Pregnancy PT program. She's obviously not deployable. Army's come a long way in how they treat that now, which is awesome. So you can throw that. You can throw it about people who have PTSD. There's a whole host of people who have done multiple tours. They're still in the military, and they exhibit certain symptoms that had they exhibited those symptoms when they first came in, they probably would have been, like, shuffled out of the MEPS. I can see both sides of the coin, but I also can see that obviously there will be certain cases that are treated in such a way that they can't be treated because there are certain extreme cases of PTSD. I have personally never really seen anyone that was like so crazy or it was to, uh, to such a degree they, they wouldn't be able to like serve in any meaningful manner in the military. I would just say again, as long as someone is able to, obviously the, the restrictions and the disqualifications to, to enlistment are there for a reason. They're not just, you know, pulled out of a hat and, or, or, and thrown out arbitrarily. And, and there is a waiver process. So there are those who get through the waiver process I would like to think in the best case scenario, those are comprehensively evaluated and those who eventually make it to wear the uniform, they're handling their 
mental health disorder in a way that allows them to serve and doesn't only bar them from, you know, serving. NCOs are always going to have face challenges when it comes to their, their soldiers or troops. And uh, it all goes back to knowing, knowing them and uh, everything's going to be on a case by case basis too. The, the situation, Brandon, that you, I'm uh, sorry, Staff Sergeant Cox that you brought up, I think is, is valid. And I think it is something that, but it's just going to have to be another challenge that NCOs face. You you don't have you may he may uh, that NCO may not have the luxury of saying, okay, well I don't want this soldier and that I'm going to try to process him out or you know whatever. He may have not have that that I don't know whether you'd call it a luxury, but that that option. So there's always going to be challenges, and how you handle them is going to be a true testament of what kind of NCO you are, how how effective you are, and how um, how how your troops are going to see you and. The level uh, you you brought up favoritism, which I think leads with our our previous podcast where we discussed uh, with with uh, with three authors that talked about this thing called the 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 check in and check out, where you you talk to your 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 soldiers, your soldiers talk to you, and your your more engaged leader, an engaged leader is going to be able to handle this kind of situation or this kind of uh, these kind of individuals better than somebody who doesn't engage with them and learn about them learn from them and about them. So I think it it all leads back to, you know, what kind of leader you are. You're going to face challenges regardless. If it's not going to be one thing, it's going to be another. Uh, you just have to handle it to the best of your ability and, and move forward and accomplish the mission. Yeah, I, I agree. I didn't cite it in the article. I thought I kind of wanted to, but I think it was an older paper, but it, it looked at ADHD from an evolutionary perspective as far as it essentially in like a basic sense said, those with ADHD, like our our like early ancestors, they would be the ones who'd be hyper focused in the woods and would like maybe twitch at every twig snap, or twitch at anything they heard in the woods that may be able to attack or kill the tribe, or the group, and that to that 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 was a benefit because they would be hyper focused on those little sounds and they would actually would protect, you know, the, the group because they could they would sense things sooner or they would be they would notice things and able to protect the group better. That's just small things. I don't know if it's an, that. That's really a benefit. I mean, I'm sure everything has its benefit, but I think as far as the whole service thing goes, to what I mean, it's listed as a as a mental health disorder. It's recognized by multiple places, so it's 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 a legitimate diagnosis. So, since it's looked at as a mental health disorder, I'm sure that doesn't look good for military service. They don't want people who might have issues with inactivity or impulsivity or a whole host of other things um, that can, can go. Um, there's a whole, Anyone with ADHD, there's a higher chance for comorbid um, disease um, disorders such as PTSD or anxiety or other mental health disorders. Um, that's pretty common. So it's, I could see the, the whole – people might – you need to be able to train a military all to the same standard. And if you got to take extra time out in order to train or retrain a subset of individuals who exhibit ADHD in a not beneficial manner, um, I could see that to be an issue with effectively training a military. So I see why it's a a bar to enlist a, a bar to initial enlistment and a bar to service. So getting to know you and knowing that you know that you do have certain challenges, uh, like just this morning. You, the 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 arm uh, 
hold that holds the microphone here. Uh, you left it at home. Uh, you, I know uh, you reacted in a certain way, and if I didn't know you, I, I would have taken it as as insubordination. I would have taken it as like, well, what's the matter with this guy? You know, uh, it, it, but I know, I know the kind of th- challenges that you face, uh, and I think that's 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 a that's a lesson that maybe other uh, people in leadership positions need to be aware of. That, that if they know, if they know their people, then you'll know that there's certain things they're not trying to be insubordinate. They're not being insubordinate. Uh, they're just there's certain things that just happen and. You know, I just took it for that. That's just the way you are. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> I'm not going to get angry. I'm not, there's, there's a certain, there's, there's times to do what, to, to get angry and to, and to, you know, put the, the hammer down and there's times to, to let things roll off your back and handle it. Uh, you know, when you, when you're dealing with another, with a soldier, an adult, a, a, a squared away NCO, you know, you, you have to, you have to know how to react to certain things. And I, I like to, I, I take pride in, in, in knowing that. And knowing you, to the point where I can I can take those things and just and just kind of let them kind of back when I was in the core man I wouldn't have let that just kind of roll <laughs> off my back, you know. Well, that's if I didn't know you. I would like to think that I would have if I knew you that I wouldn't react. But I have a feeling that I may have reacted negatively. Uh, but now I know, and I'm you know kind of older and more seasoned. Yeah, you can take this or leave it. I mean, uh, I uh, the the hyper focus thing or the 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 um, the impatience, like I gotta bring up two different things. Like I'll focus on a certain aspect of something and forget something else. Like you mentioned the, the microphone stand. As you're talking, I'm listening, but I'm focusing on. Actually, I did bring it. I just left it in the office. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm focusing on, and I hyper focus on that point. Um, putting that in real time with my wife. I'll throw an example with my wife. Um, if we're having an argument or disagreement about something. I'll get so hyper-focused on a certain thing that she said that I'll forget the bigger picture or I'll get hyper-focused on how she said something rather than what she said. It doesn't bode well for that. So I've, I've had to train myself to be like, shut up, stop thinking about what you want to say next or what point you're trying to make and listen to what she's saying. Forget about how she's saying it. Just just listen to what she's saying. And it's the same way, like, with things at work where I'll get focused on just one tiny thing and it really has nothing to do with anything. It's just a moot point. But but it all leads to the discussion yeah. that we had about self awareness. I think it does help you yeah. being self aware because you're. I mean, how, if you if you weren't aware of that you that you had that's there's challenges that you have, then would you be able to tell yourself, okay, look, this is happening. Let me let me let me pause and, and wait for my wife to finish her sentence, or let me let me focus on what she's saying rather than what she said five minutes ago, and I'm still focused on that. You Self-awareness, I think, has a lot to do with with, uh, with how you handle it and how you're able to to get through the day and, and, and do as much as you do with, you know, with the uh, with the challenges that you have. Yeah. That's, what, that's just the way I see it. I, I just, I think that you do, self, self-awareness has a lot to do with uh, how effective you are. Yeah, I would also add that, I mean, it is... Studies have shown, and I've I've seen it for myself that hyper that type of hyper focus can can benefit being in, in military service, um, military service, and any other regimented activity highly structured. Someone may come in the military, maybe not even know they have ADHD, but maybe they, they they do have it. But being in that structured environment where they're 
You don't really have to think of basic training. I mean, you're told where to go, what to do, how to do it, when to do it. So it's all very structured. And a lot of people who, and a lot of people, even if you don't have ADHD, you might have some other mental health disorder that may have something to do with attention or anything will benefit from that structure. I much would probably rather, even though so many proficient at their job, I'd probably much rather have that guy who's super hyper-focused when they're trying to defuse or take care of an ID or just that guy who's got Overwatch and watching over a platoon. I'd probably much rather have someone who is super hyper-focused on protecting my unit as, as opposed to someone who is doing something half-hearted. Although I don't, I'm sure that doesn't really really happen with uh, those type of units. Probably going down a rabbit hole. But uh, That brings up a question. Hmm. You were you've been in combat. You, you've had several combat tours in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, correct? Yes. They were they probably you weren't uh, diagnosed until after you came back. But how do you think that your 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 you know ADHD in some way affected your 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 deployments uh, in the combat zone? No, I mean look. I guess if I'm looking back at um, prior deployments, I know there were certain times where uh, being out on the road. I remember one particular mission we were out. It was my first tour in Afghanistan, but it was my third combat tour. We're on the road like 38 hours straight without a break because we had to had nowhere to stop along our route, so we had to keep going until we got there. But we kept getting you know, stopped either to you know do do an ID sweep or or some other such thing a break a vehicle breakdown of some sort, whatever it is. But we were on that road for like 38 hours straight, and even at 38 hours, super hyper focused. Into the night, you know, you're looking at the vehicle tracks in front of you. So you kind of do get into that state of, I know I have to stay in front of the tracks of the vehicle in front of me because I don't know what's on the other side of that, perhaps, if it hasn't been sweeped. And then you finally get to your your destination, and you're, it's almost like a like an adrenaline dump. Or you're like, oh, I didn't realize how tired I was. Or just certain things that will happen when you don't, you don't realize it happens. I'm just trying to, like, I'm I'm, I'm doing a reel of, of events that have occurred during my deployments, trying to pick out certain events that may be attributable to ADHD, but uh, it's a very broad. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, there are studies I read recently about how PTSD can, and maybe this, maybe this doctor who prescribed um, an ADHD medication for me in Afghanistan, maybe he was in part of the research, I don't know, but I found out later that sometimes ADHD medication can be used to treat symptoms of PTSD, a lot of times, um, a, lot, a lot of studies will show that PTSD and um, um, can be co- um, be like can coexist with ADHD. One can exacerbate the other because um, some of the symptoms can be the same: inattentiveness, impulsivity. Those are those can be two of the symptoms of either or. Um, so, in a sense, that maybe he didn't think I was exhibiting symptoms of ADHD. Maybe he thought I was exhibiting some instances of PTSD. I don't know, but all I know is that what he did to treat me worked at the time and I realized it when I got back and I wasn't afforded that medication without jumping through all these hoops and that could be just that one instance maybe other people had an easier time getting treatment I realized that basically without that treatment I was exhibiting more and more symptoms and it came into issues with like I could just notice there were issues of things I had to get done I could still get things done but it would probably take me longer than what should take me and I definitely don't want it to seem like ADHD medication is a crutch because it's not. It's just a tool in the, in, in the tool bag. Successful treatment of ADHD is definitely not accomplished by medication alone. It's being self-aware or getting treated and talking to a behavioral health specialist. It all goes, it's all 
and a definitely a good supported supported system with its own unit. Because again, uh, the vast majority of cases that come in the military, that's it's either you're disqualified from military service, or you get a waiver, which most of the waivers submitted for ADHD when you come in, those get denied. And so those that come in with ADHD and, and are diagnosed afterwards, or they're it was truly undiagnosed, like mine was, um, until I came into the military after I'd already been in the military ten years, or you know they made made it through the waiver process and they're serving and they've been determined that it's not something that would like disqualify them from further service. So I would just add that probably the vast majority of those who have it in the military are dealing with it just fine. There just may be certain things that their leaders and themselves maybe need to be aware of. I could definitely see some of those issues that you talked about that come with ADHD being valuable to the United States Army because of like, for instance, like those those hyper-focused moments. Um, Can you think of a moment in time in the army when you were so hyper-focused that you, you came up with something that had so much quality. Sure. I, no. so, something you can credit to. I've maybe. always kind of considered myself, I'm just a cog in the wheel, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure certain times it did help. I do remember one particular moment. Maybe it was just experience. It was my first two in Afghanistan. We had to do a turnaround. No, a vehicle went down and we had to like, some vehicle ahead had to come back so that we could get some piece of equipment that was broken down or we couldn't fix it at the time, so we had to basically offload it onto another vehicle. So and, and while we were trying to do this, um, we were getting small arms fire. And this, the, my TC, my truck commander, the, the buddy with me in the truck, this was his first tour. And I was so hyper-focused, we were getting small arms fire um, coming in. And there's rounds hitting the truck. I'm hearing ting-tings of metal, but I was like, I know this has to get done, so... I went ahead and uh, I didn't, I got on top of the truck. I was so hyper-focused on what needed to be done that I told um, this particular soldier, I won't mention his name, but I, in order to keep him low to the ground, I said, hey, load the BII, the extra BII stuff in the, in the chain box on the side of the trailer so he could be low. I knew that if he was loading that thing, he'd have to get on his hands and knees to load stuff in the thing. And I went ahead and jumped on the trailer to finish tying down the load and finish that up. So I basically forced myself to be a bigger target. Because I was trying to protect him, I guess. Uh, that's not anything that's amazing, but I just, in that moment, I was, like, so hyper-focused on what needed to be done. And that I could see this guy was, I mean, the first round that hit the truck, I could see his eyes just, like, I was, like, yep, that's close. So in that moment, you you knew what to do. You were so hyper-focused that you just immediately took charge of the situation. And it kind of helped that a little bit. Saw his deer in the headlight look, and I saw that he has no idea what to do right now. Um, we had we had a gun truck near us that was providing some suppressive fire. We don't have the time to do that because I'm thinking about all these things that are happening at once, but I was able to prioritize them in, I guess you could say, the, the perfect sequence. But I knew that the longer we're here trying to tie down this load, the longer we're going to be here as a target. So that's essentially what I was thinking about, just to get the job done quickly so we could get out of there. And No one was hurt. Just a couple dings, a cracked window, and... But nothing, nothing super crazy. Thankfully, he didn't hit any of our tires. But uh, and probably that gun truck that was providing some suppressor fire probably helped. I mean, yeah, just a, a number of things that had to happen very quickly. And I don't want to say I was. It was a conversion of people that helped make it happen. But and it's a small thing because there was incidents like that that happen all the time during tours. That and it may be just a thing with soldiers in general. I think that they see something that has to get done, and they know that if this doesn't get done now. They're, they're only spending longer 
in that in that kill zone, I guess you could say. No, so what I was going to say was that the, the previous article, it was more focused on what leaders can do, and that's kind of more for our audience because the majority of our audience doesn't, right? Like if we're assuming here that the majority of our audience doesn't have ADHD, so the focus is not on how to lead soldiers with ADHD, but just to understand what it is for somebody that does have ADHD or any other condition, um, what it is, the difficulties that they run through. And I think that the precipice of all this is that what you said, Chago, was leaders need to be self-aware of, of what their capabilities and what they're able to or not able to do. But then they also need to know their team and they need to know their soldiers um, to be able to adapt and their leadership styles and, and what they're doing. So I think that's the biggest takeaway from this. Um, and then just bringing up this article just makes us more aware that there are soldiers out there struggling with, it may not be full-on ADHD, but it might just be that they're struggling with this difficulty, right? A, a difficulty in focusing, a difficulty in um, starting tasks or in inattention to detail. And then they might necessarily not have ADHD, but at least if you're aware of the the behavioral change that you want to make in your soldier, then you can probably apply some of these things to that. You know, I think that would be the biggest takeaway from this compared to that other article. I guess I was trying to see it, ask questions from the Army's perspective, you know. You are right in saying that we really just need to know our people because at the end of the day, we just got to take care of each other. And if we take care of each other, then they're going to take care of us, which is going to complete the mission in the end. Well, thank you for being with us. I know this was a very touchy subject. I know it's a very personal subject for you to, to discuss, and we appreciate you taking the time to both write the article and sit here with us and, and actually have, open up the way you did. Um, I, th I think it says uh, something about the quality of, uh, of NCO that you are, that you're able to do this, and uh, we appreciate it, and I'm sure the audience will appreciate it. So thank you again. Thank you. And thank you, our audience. Remember to put your knowledge to the page, submit articles, and get published with the NCO Journal. Don't forget to check out our webpage and follow us on social media. We'll catch you next time on the NCO Journal Podcast. <laughs>